Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And welcome to The Food Fight, where we offer a different perspective on food culture issues around Australia and the world. We'll talk with chefs, producers, business owners and experts to hear their stories and find out what makes them tick. This episode's the last one for 2020. Simon and I pick apart Good Foods' 100 Best Things of the Year. We give our own lists of our favourite things and try to wrap up 2020 with a bit of positivity. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Food Fight Podcast, the last one for 2020. My name's Steph Bostuma, your host. With me, as always, Simon Evans. Hi. And so, as always, we start our podcast with an acknowledgement of country. So, we'd like to acknowledge the Wadi Wadi people of the Darawal Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather and talk today. Uh, this land here from... Uh, the northern Illawarra right down the south coast into the Shoalhaven. Um, and we'd like to pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. Cool. Well, it's just us two, Simon, for mm. this uh, last show of 2020 because the viewers have demanded it. I mean, the <laughs> listeners have demanded it. They said, we've had enough of high-profile uh, chefy guests and, uh, you know, all that really clever intelligent stuff that you say to these really knowledgeable people about food and the food industry and we just want to hear more of you guys yeah, being yourself just, just talking shit bantering away <laughs> and normally we're, we're in a in a car driving back so a static yeah with, uh, with not too much outside sounds perfect environment just to uh talk about 2020 yeah yeah no and it's like i think that i mean it's been a big year and we were talking about what we wanted to do for our last episode of the year and how we wanted to sort of finish the Food Fight podcast for the year. And there's so much shit to talk about. But essentially, like, I kind of just said to you, it's like, I don't fucking really want to talk about COVID that much mm. because obviously everything's happened with COVID. Like, there's a podcast out there which is completely dedicated to talking about how the hospitality industry and food culture has responded to COVID. Um, shout out to Deep in the Weeds with Anthony Huckstep and shout out to our friend Andy Burns who was on there the other day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, there's other, there's other ways to talk about that and I think we've just talked about it so much anyway. I'm just sort of a little bit tired of it all and I, I kind of would like to have a bit of fun and just talk a bit of shit with you to wrap up the year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like it's something you don't talk about with everyone else at any point, mm. any time of day. Uh, you know, especially Uber drivers and things like that. So this is the first point of call. It's, it's not even like, how's your night? Are you busy? It's, how about this coat? So it's a constant thing anyway. So let's let's talk about something different. Yeah. 
All right, Simon. We so we decided that for this podcast, for the last one of twenty twenty, we'd kind of do something a bit of that's a bit of fun. Something that I know that you wanted to talk about a little bit, but essentially, um, good food. About a month ago, uh, sometime in November, put out a hundred favorite things of twenty twenty for both New South Wales and Victoria, where they sort of went through what the best bits of 2020 have been, which is cool. Like it's like a nice positive way to sort of cap off the year and to shout out some stuff that's been going on this year. Um, And we're going to sort of do a, what we're going to do is we're going to recap some of the things that they've been through, some of the things that we like that they've got uh, and maybe some of the things that we don't like. And, and then we're going to do our own little favorite lists of um, 2020. And so hopefully it's not going to be too long of a podcast, just nice and short and sharp. And we just kind of want to bring some positivity to the end of 2020, talk about some fun things and talk a bit of crap as we're used to and as we like doing. So Simon, let's get into it. Tell us about um, when you came across this favorite things of 2020 hundred best hundred things of 2020 list by good food and sort of what your reaction was to it so i saw someone on instagram on the morning it was released um post um that they'd been in it so i was like oh there's a list of things um so i went to check um so basically i I didn't know this was coming out they hadn't really announced they also hadn't really announced what they were doing in lieu, or I'm not sure if they even announced that they weren't doing a good food guide this year. I think it was very much assumed. So, I mean, this is, this is headed with, instead of the good food guide, this year we bring 100 good things to the table. A collection of people, places, moments, and memories that best represent 2020. Um, so, this, there was, yeah, it's 100 for New South Wales, 100 for... So that's a pretty um, red hot um, introduction in terms of like the things that best represent 2020. Yeah, and I mean, and it says it's, it's New South Wales as well. So, um, it's it's not necessary it's, it's a bit of a strange list because it's not just all restaurants or openings or chefs there's some some slightly kind of more exp, you know experiential things um some products as well which i found to be a little bit a little bit strange in amongst such a list yep. um whether that's a case of um, publications have to make money um is one thing but yeah there was there was some there was also some great stuff some really great people in there some great products um, and lots I quite liked. Or what I found though is, as I was looking through the list, um, I, no- I noticed they mentioned a couple of um, native food producers. So I was, I was really happy about that to see that representation. I'd started sort of screenshotting that to um, to you know maybe put a post and be like, "This is great." But as I kept going through the list, and they were they were in kind of groups of twenty, so I'd got like five different pages. I just realised there was actually nothing south of Sydney. <laughs> Um, I think it was a couple in the Southern Highlands, so that's close mm. as we got. Um, everything was basically very city central mm. uh, and focused, and that irked me a bit. Mm. Well, I mean, it is kind of one of those things, and it's something that we've talked about in the past, which is, uh, yeah, just like regional representation in good food, essentially. Mm. Um, like we kind of tend to see a lot of the regional representation in some of the major food media institutions being the usual suspects, if you will, your mm. your Vileses and your Stones of the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and I mean, I'm obviously, you know, making cookbooks about regional food culture, like mm. like to see regional chefs doing awesome things uh, represented. And I think that, I mean, in terms of talking about the South Coast, if we're going to refer to the South Coast as Wollongong to the Victorian border, um, I mean, 
let's not forget that that region was completely flogged by fires at the beginning of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it was very noticeable. Um, and I mean, the one thing the you, you got, do you have to remember um, that media is based around you know the readers, and more people care about restaurants in Sydney than they do in Wollongong. Mm. That is a fact, and, and we kind of have to realise that in Wollongong. Um, but the one thing the Good Food Guide is, is that is the one time where everyone kind of gets put on the same footing. Um, they, they can obviously be gripes about restaurants regional that, that are included or have a hat, haven't got a hat. Um, there can be arguments there. But there is you know, a good representation of regional uh, restaurants in there. So Good Food Guide, the actual you know, review guide, is always good. That's kind of the one time of the year where it's like, cool, we get something in a national publication. Um, so this being in lieu of that and then not having anything south of Sydney, and then when you take into account what the south coast has been through, less so Wollongong, but, but further down, um, the fact that none of the writers could think of a single thing that they thought was good or that was worth mentioning um, when some of the things on this list uh, feel like fluff, that, that was pretty annoying. And I, I posted about it on Instagram mm. quite heavily that day and got a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of feedback from, from chefs and, and other people from, from here and, and from the city as well. What sort of feedback did you get? Oh, normally, most people down here were like, it's always like, did you expect any different? It's always the fucking same. Um, like, or, you know, and also, also a bit of, a bit of like, we're quite used to it, but also very much couldn't believe it. And then some people from the city as well were just like, really? Like, not a single thing. Like, nothing. I'm like, nah, I like, I checked through like three times to make sure. Mm. Um, so everyone quite shocked by it, really. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, this, this list, I think was compiled by Miffy Rigby, Callan Boys, Terry Durack, and Jill Duplee. I think yeah. Andrew Levins had some stuff in there as well. Yeah. Um, and maybe some of the other sort of big writers at Good Food. Uh, but I think that maybe like what you're talking about, which is probably an episode, uh, you know, an episode of the Food Fight podcast in itself, is a little bit of, um, yeah, it's like how do we sort of balance this need to appeal to a large audience who are obviously based mostly in metropolitan areas um, when it comes to, you know, food representation in media and the need to get clicks and sell sell newspapers and sell advertising and all that sort of stuff with, like, actual representation of food culture in New South Wales. Because, I mean, that's what this list in its introduction said. These are our favourite yeah. things in New South Wales in 2020 and really the only the only representation and we can start talking about the positive stuff but the only representation of the south coast at all was empty esky and i suppose that sort of goes you know further than just the south coast that's kind of yeah. a, a sentiment among any region that was impacted by bushfires mm. um but i don't know i just like i don't know if you know people who write for um, good food listen to this podcast um, and hopefully we'll have some of these writers on this podcast eventually and be able to talk to talk with them about it but I definitely think that like I don't know maybe there's some sort of bubble in Sydney where they don't really understand how regional food culture views good food and yeah. how it represents food culture in New South Wales and how much regional chefs um, and regional p- 
people in food feel as if they sit outside of a click, a, a Sydney click, essentially. Like mm. when there's constant social media posting from between, you know, writers and voices in food media with their friends and the chef establishment of Sydney and stuff that everyone's friends and going to each other's restaurants and just these constant social media shout outs and articles and all these sorts of things. Um, when it's just over and over and over and over, every good food publication that comes out, uh, I wonder if they sort of understand how regional chefs sort of feel about that because it's very, very stark to us here and to yeah. people down on the South Coast and in every region that I've worked in that we all sit outside of Sydney. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is always going to be the case to an extent. But, um, for example, I, I'm pretty sure, and I've checked through... The archives on online. Um, I, I don't think there's ever been a in Good Food magazine or in the Sydney Morning Herald a review of a restaurant in Wollongong. Uh, in you know, however far the archives go back, I know Kavod never got uh, reviewed in the um, paper. Itself, like in the like, paper, like yeah. you know, by by kind of Terry Durack. In 15 years, it was open as a had a restaurant, yep. which is quite an achievement for a had restaurant. That like that that puts it up there with you know longer standing than than a lot of the guys in Sydney, mm. um, except kind of some of the. The real established places, um, and we never got reviewed. I don't think there's. It might be a small handful over the last you know decade mm. of restaurant reviews on the on the south coast of Wollongong, mm. and and that's that's pretty stark. Like since mm. there's there's I mean, the papers daily, the Good Food magazine I believe is every week. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even in Good Food, there's you know fifty two releases a year, and there's very very rarely been much mention of the south coast so it, it definitely seems like even even on a numbers thing i guess if you, even if you took population and, and divided it and worked out how much time should they be you know per capita should they be spent on city restaurants to, to region restaurants i reckon i reckon the maths would uh, would still skew pretty badly so i think i think that they i think we can say without quite a doubt this is this is less paranoia from a wollongong based restaurateur and i think i think it's, it's pretty true why that is it's hard to say. Um, I definitely think uh, media is in Australia is, it, you know, generally is, is very city centric. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, five years ago there wasn't much, too much going on in, in Wollongong. There would be less reason to come down. But Wollongong is is booming right now for one, um, and, and for two, there's, there's there's lots of cool, interesting stuff going on. You mm. can come down, and all times of day in in kind of most most levels. You can get a really good meal. There's some, you know, further south, there's just really interesting um, restaurants and bars and um, producers that you can visit as well. So it's not like there's nothing to do here. So it's not like they went, I can't imagine they, or if they did, this is this is crazy. They went, anyone got anything from the south coast? And they all went like, nothing has happened there this year. Mm. Like nothing has happened. Mm. Well, that's the thing. And like, I like to think I have a relatively good finger on the pulse of what's going on in mm. South Coast food culture, like all the way down to places like Marimula and, and, and that sort of thing, Pambula. Uh, and there's always awesome stuff going on. And with a list like this, it's not just which restaurants are open, but it's it could be everything from producers to artisans to makers to, to anything. And there's so much cool stuff happening. And yeah, I mean, realistically, it is a kind of... It is kind of a shame not to see it. And, I mean, it, it's probably easy to sort of counter what we're talking about by saying, well, Simon, you're just a little bit bitter because yes, I you're am. a chef. And that, 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 that is, that is a fair reviewed. point. Yeah, and you didn't get reviewed. <laughs> um, like, you got your hats while you had Caveau and, you know, you should be grateful for that. And just because 
Terry or Jill or Callan or Miffy didn't rock up to your restaurant and give you a shout out on Instagram, um, you know, stop being a whinger. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, like if, if, if we sort of put this into perspective, when you took over Caveau three years ago, you and Tom, a couple of young chefs taking over this established business, completely overhauling the menu to something that really with like a true passion focused on native and indigenous ingredients probably before like i mean i think 2020 was the year that people started really thinking about it and really caring about it like a bit more so in the mainstream not so much just in you know niche food culture Mm. um and you cared about it a lot and not only did you retain your hats for you know the next few years but you also increased your score Mm. and stuff like that um to me, that's a really cool story, and I, I I think that a story like that deserves a place in, you know, a publication, not necessarily just the Good Food Guide that comes out at the yeah. end of the year, but also, you can guarantee that if, you know, Jackie from Nomad, or if bloody Josh Nyland, or if um, Matt Lindsay or something like that opened up a satellite restaurant in Milton Nulladulla or something like that. Yeah. Within two weeks, it would have a review in the guide, which is to be expected and things like that. It's just sort of, it just goes to sort of illustrate that point about that that click, the Sydney click. And it's like, it's kind of who you know a little bit a lot of the time yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I think that is the problem is they just, they, I mean, is, is that kind of lazy journalism where they just go, you know, right, where, where's the big name chefs going? Like, what are they doing? Oh, they're doing something down there. Oh, we better go down there rather than actually looking around and, and following and searching. Mm. I mean, also in the list, there was, there was, there was some regional stuff mentioned. Um, just a little scroll back through. There was some, um, some stuff about Hunter Valley, some stuff about Orange, Chard, mm. got to mention, a really cool restaurant up there. Um, yeah, so, so let's so go through, like, I, th- I, sorry, were you going to make another point or do you want to go through and talk um, about some of the other stuff that's actually on that list? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can... I mean, Because I'd like to talk about some of the really cool things that yeah. are on that list because it is it is an interesting read and it's awesome for them to be, yeah. um, you know, giving some shine to certain mm. certain people. And certain no, for sure. And I mean, the, the other thing that was I just found a little bit, little bit strange was that it, it's, it doesn't seem to be um, ranked. So it's not like, well, this is the number one best thing, yeah. but it is, it's numbered. Yeah, from one yeah. to a hundred, <laughs> yeah. which I just found weird. Like, so number yeah. one is welcome to the only cocktail bar on the Hawkesbury. So it's um, Barroa Waters Inn, um, and you can drive up in a ferry and have a cocktail. Yeah, okay. You're like, yeah, that, that's cool, good experience. Um, yeah, number two is Mafuku doing a seafood platter. Yeah, what what I what one of the things that I and and we've sort of talked about it before, but. Um, Empty Esky was at number 49 and I think that to continue to promote that campaign and to continue to promote the idea of Empty Esky and just setting in the consciousness of the public that when you go to regional places, you're not just going there for your own experience and, you know, to have a, have a great time, but you can actually really help communities and help small businesses while you're there. Mm. And I, I really hope, and I think that it will happen, but I, I, I really hope that Empty Esky is a ethos that continues long after COVID, that people sort of have this idea that while we're in these small places, regardless of whether or not we're in a pandemic or a bushfire or whatever, it's like these communities have great things to offer and we want to make the most of it while we're there and support these communities. For sure, yeah. And I think... <clears throat> 
I mean, I think that's something that might might come out in the future. I think obviously the you know the the winter season where south coast thought they might have this influx of tourists um you know taking part so empty coming down and spending some money got hit by covid so hopefully everyone still remembers that um going next year um and they see they see the the you know the, the benefits and the kind of velocity of money that can go around like that in, in a small mm. in, in a smaller area where you know that that does go straight into someone's pocket who lives in that area who then spends it there and spend you know and they spend it and it, and it you know twenty dollars of value becomes you know eighty dollars of value in in two, in two or three transactions. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean definitely that was a great one. Um, the other one, they um, yeah, there's, there's just there's some. I've got stuff. I've got pace tie hits Mitagong, which I haven't been to yet, but. Um, and Terry Jurek put this one in here. Mm. But uh, in an otherwise unremarkable stretch of downtown Mittagong, discover Michelin star chef B. Satangung's restaurant, Paste. She calls her cooking 80% tradition and 20% creativity. Find an enticing blend of old and new, go beyond the usual green chicken curry, fish cakes, and green papaya salad to explore the old forgotten recipes of private families throughout Thailand. I just reckon that... Um, just shout outs like that to uh, cool little regional areas. And I think that like in terms of food hubs in the Southern Highlands, Mittagong is not one that mm. people have sort yeah. of thought of yeah. as, 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 a, as a place like to go to for good food that much. So for, sure. for a really cool um, restaurant like Pace to, to come to Mittagong is, yeah. is awesome. And it's uh, great to see and it. I think that's, that's, that's a great little story. And that, that, that's pretty cool as Mission Star Chef. Yeah. I mean, it is a little bit like we mentioned just then, it took a mission star chef <laughs> to come and open somewhere there where they could have shouted out, um, you know, echelot or, um, what's the other Birch. one in Bur- Birch, like the guys who've been there, um, you know, fairly new owners in the last couple of years, yeah. um, who've been doing some cool stuff. So that is a cool story. You definitely, that, that seems like something that would fit in this list very much, but there's still other people you could have, uh, yeah. could have shouted out. Um, <laughs> I mean, number 10 was see farmers unite, um, coronavirus hurt, in so many different ways, unexpected ways, you'd be hard-pressed to meet anyone unaffected, but there have been some silver linings. With so many restaurants closed during lockdown, it forced farmers around the country to reevaluate their business models. Um, some, such as New South Wales, long-established, independent, family-run family run oyster growers, realized there was power and strength in numbers, and so they united under the East 33 app- appellation, promising next-day home delivery for their city rock oysters. Things like that definitely need a shout-out. Mm. Um, the producers got, got hit as much as... Restaurants have kind of been more on the fl- on the front line. Um, so yeah, shouting out. Um, you know, again, the, I mean, there's plenty of great oyster produced on the south coast. They could have shouted as well. Who again have been hit by the fires and then COVID. Um, but yeah, like definitely there were some good things um, mm. that they they shouted out. What do you think about this one? Like this one worth a mention is, um, and it's kind of a bit broader than where they go in the article. But number sixty nine, my favourite number, Simon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is industry only uh, is now available for everyone. So, uh, like two providors opening its mm. it, its its doors to the public, which um, you know is a fine food wholesaler for you civilians out there. Mm. Um, do you think that do you like? And that's and so basically, what they're saying is that these these food fine food wholesalers and stuff are now making their like online shops and having stuff available to the public. So as consumers, we've got these fucking awesome, awesome options to to buy amazing produce. Do you think this like is is sort of I mean more than just this, but do you think this is something that's gonna sort of continue throughout COVID or one of those few like, you know, silver linings that comes out of it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think um those companies will see see the benefit of 
having that option, um, even if people move away from it a bit. I mean, it's it's really no, especially for a, a providor like that when they're selling um, you know dry goods on the whole. Some they do some meat, some fish. Um, mm. It just makes sense for them to have an extra revenue stream from the from the public. Mm. Um, and I, I'm I'm tend to leaning that it, that will be a positive for restaurants going forward. I think the more people have access to these. Um, these sort of better ingredients and, and it's kind of it gives the customer a bit of a, a look into how much good quality ingredients cost because it's very easy to go and buy a steak for nine bucks at, at you know Coles or Woolies but when you actually see how much the ingredients that restaurants use are paying mm. you can hopefully understand the price we charge them a little bit more so from that side and I think the more people um get into food, have access to these good ingredients and do have that kind of wow moment where they go like, oh, holy shit, this is what a, a really good um, you know, organic free-range chicken should should taste like rather than you know, a, a very cheap um, kind of manufactured one in the supermarket. I think that that can only have really have a, a positive out, uh, outcome for people's love for food. And once they get that, then obviously they want to go and see what the, the best chefs are doing with these ingredients. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, and... Yeah, it's just awesome to be able to have access to this stuff. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's a really, really cool one. I think Simon, it'd be cool to get um, someone from Two Providors on the podcast um, next year. And yeah, it's sort of one area we haven't explored is that sort of wholesale. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, yeah, they've got some awesome products. Um, yeah. We we use them. Um, I, I use them for a lot of catering stuff, and we use them down at, down in Bangalore as well. Okay. Um, so they got some great stuff. Um, I mean, another another one which is the first thing I came across which I really liked about this list was uh, a good year for Indigenous-owned bush food suppliers. So um, they mentioned a bit about MasterChef, uh, Indigiouth, which is a um, great little company. Um, so good to see the well, good, good food. Well, we're getting there. And Gourmet Traveller, um, our friend friend of the show, Sam Payne, yeah. has written some awesome stuff this yeah, year. Exactly, yeah, exactly. there's definitely been a lot more to it this year. And I think yeah. with MasterChef um, for sure. getting on board as well, that's a, that's a big bonus. Yeah, and, and good, good food are generally, food generally well. good with that. And I know, as, as, as have SBS, um, yeah. who are very on, on, on the ball with for things sure. like that. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a great one to see in there. I, um, can, I, can I take the piss out of a couple? Yes, quickly? definitely. So I was looking for one of that. Um, in, com- coming in at number four, Everyone's favourite restaurant of 2020, number four on the list. The, one of the best restaurants in Sydney, as everyone knows, is Woodcut, which I think just isn't opened. yet open. Uh, it just opened, I think. Oh, uh, has it? Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. three days before. So, I mean, obviously, everyone's just really enjoyed Woodcut yeah. um, through 2020. Uh, the new Ross Lusted <laughs> yeah. restaurant one of the um, great, one of the at, great at Crown in Sydney. And, um, yeah, and it's just great to see good food, finding these new up-and-coming chefs, um, just just doing it on their own and opening some new venues yeah. and really, just really helping out. Small, small, little, small little independent venues at the, yeah, casi- little, at the casino. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we love you, Ross. We want you to come yeah, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. We're going to approach you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, I think there was, um, it might have been, there, I think there was a couple of setbacks with the casino. I, be- oh, I, I believe know, they've... Uh, I know, it, like... But yeah, but yeah, it's going to be an awesome putting, restaurant. We all exactly, know, yeah. but it's but, just but putting, funny to put yeah. fucking a restaurant that's not open yeah. that hasn't been open through the whole of 2020 yeah. on like the best things of 2020. Yeah. Exactly. Best. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, <laughs> are we looking backwards or looking forwards here? Where are we looking? Um, yeah. So it, it, it's just. It's yeah. just you're not on. You're not in the. You don't get the scoop if you put it at the end of 2021. Well, it's yeah, well, yeah. Maybe it just, it just yeah. I mean, and open the end of the year. You, you haven't got to put you, the you, next restaurant that's you, not. You open miss out. You miss out on all of this. It's yeah. like like when people uh, release a song 
but just uh, like the end of the year, it doesn't qualify for the Triple J, Triple J top one. Oh, 100, oh, you know, stitch up. The outrage. The stitch outrage. up, stitch up. Um, um, and then the other one that I wanted to uh, give a bit of shit to is Caviar Bumps and Whole Crab <laughs> at um, Mimi's in, uh, yeah. in Coogee because we all know that like during a pandemic, the hospitality industry has been absolutely rocked and no one's got the financial... Um, you know means to be able to survive you know you've had to do away with your your yeah. restaurant um, Re- people record, are struggling with record recession and things like that and what better way to make yourself feel somewhat better than um than you already are because you're obviously miserable uh is to go to the Kuji pavilion um go do a bump of cocaine in the toilet and then go <laughs> to the table and do a bump of caviar and put that on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that the word bump, like I thought, exactly. bu- I thought bump was specifically for cocaine. I didn't realize that was just a, like doing a, a little, little knock of, of anything. Like, like do they put the caviar on a key? Yeah. They should have like little, little <laughs> rolled up notes, <laughs> little rolled up like American hundred dollar bills yeah. and mirrors to serve uh, yeah. their bumps of caviar. Like. Line of caviar. Like I, I, whatever. There's nothing wrong with yeah. caviar. It's delicious and. Um, I, I don't know. There is something funny about calling it a bump on a. Menu, yeah, I, I mean, there is this kind of like big, big sort of push towards lux. Um, you know, whole crabs and lobsters and caviar and everything. That's kind of that kind of went away for a little while of, of those luxury ingredients went out of fashion. They seem to be making a bit of a comeback. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the term bump. Like it's it's funny. Yeah, I've just got to. Then you like the you, you just imagine like some old old Sydney couple being like, oh, a bump of caviar. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just a bit. It's just a bit strange. Yeah, I don't know, but like, yeah, it's very Instagrammable. Mm. Like, I mean, well, if yeah. You follow Jordan Toft on Instagram. <laughs> it's like a hundred stories a day of yeah, yeah. grating truffles on stuff. And yeah, exactly that as well. Bumps of caviar. Which, um, good on you, Jordan. We love you, Jordan. Mm. You're a great chef and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But it's just, I don't know, we like to take the piss out of things on this podcast sometimes. And if you're going to call it bumps on your yeah. body, then... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to list it. There's, there's a couple of other good things. I'm trying to find the one that, that made me laugh and angered me uh, in equal measures. Um, but there... well, there's, there's a funny one here, which is like... And, and like, I mean... The, the funny thing about this podcast is that, like, we are also, like, we don't necessarily censor ourselves, but we have to be a little bit careful about what we say because, like, we want to talk to Miffy on this podcast or Callan or we were like, whatever, and you're a restaurant owner, man. Like, you don't want to get in the bad books with the big dogs. No, I don't really so, I don't know. <laughs> um, this one, the, the funny one, this If people apron, think they're above any criticism or any, any, uh, no, any, yeah, any satire. Exactly. And, but it's, uh, <laughs> I just hope people don't take this the wrong way. I mean, we're just talking a bit of shit. So, yeah, whatever. Like, again, don't like, be too sensitive to it. Again, um, listen. Yeah, um, one of them was about the you know only two percent of um, First Nation or First Nation businesses are owned by Aboriginal people. So um, only two percent of um, people who supply native ingredients is actually owned by Aboriginal people. And there's a big shout out to uh, Curry Country mm. um, in here and to uh, Ben Devlin uh, uh, Pippet, who actually I'm really keen to go to his restaurant because he looks like he's doing some awesome mm. stuff um, with native ingredients. Um, so again, great shout out there. Um, it's a good little shout out to um, to is it Regazzi or Fabrica? I think both. Both. Yeah. 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 It is both. Yeah. Um, so 
like great little places um love those guys nate's supposed to be on the podcast at some point um one of my one of my friends felix is is a is a part owner of um regazi as well which is awesome little pasta place well good for a look um so some good stuff like yeah those guys get a lot of a lot of press but rightly so in some ways um just trying to find so this one i want to take the piss out of just this one just because it's just so like good food sydney like yeah whatever so at number 56 so these are the best things in 2020 in food um is the cream collection linen apron all all dressed up with nowhere to go but the fridge cream's collection of aprons is designed for at-home chefs gardeners and florists so you'll look the part and then with any luck feel the part and then here comes the the sydney thing six pennies dan puskas and fred's danielle alvarez rock cream when they're at the burners loose fitting japanese style aprons with massive pockets is perfect for gardening foraging and kitchen work so that, like that's just like i'm just so happy to be made aware of these yeah, aprons like, um, as one of the best things in i'm just glad that they went like oh you know we could put maybe like like going down to cupids and having some wine and be like, but these fuck <laughs> these aprons are pretty fucking good. Um, the literal. I wonder if that's a product placement. Probably I, not, right? Like, do you reckon that? They, I mean, it reads okay, but the two more down from there is the, the one thing? the the fucking fork. The, the, the now this this is the one that got me. <laughs> uh, number fifty eight. Like so, you know, top hundred best things in new south wales in 2020 is drum roll please a glamorous toasting fork <laughs> um uh, it's a pretty nice fork like what's it for uh is it for toasting marshmallows for like i, I literally yeah pretty much it, it doesn't even really yeah i mean yeah to, yeah sausages or marshmallows um, you can toast it over the, 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 looks like the it's got, coals of your burnt down well, yeah, house, <laughs> yeah. down the south coast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Nice toast your mouth and that. Remember what um, was. It looks, looks, looks very handmade. It has like maybe like a woven handle maybe uh, in a, a kind of bone white and black. Yeah, right. Um, Beautiful. Just when you thought you were complete on the outdoor cooking front, here's an iron cane handle toasting fork from Sydney designer Sibella Court. Love you, Sabella. It's a lovely fork. Beautiful fork. Um, whip out, whip out this piece of hardware next time you're frying sausages or toasting marshmallows. You're gonna fry some sausages <sighs> with that fork. How's Just that work? like is, but yeah, <laughs> okay. We, I mean, it's a great fork. <laughs> it's lovely. So, so it's, Stefan, it's probably the best fork I've seen all year. It's one of my favourites. If if that if it was top hundred forks in New South Wales, it me it'd be top top five minimum, mm. but. Like honestly, in the context of, and and again, and when there's there's a, a glaring deficit of anything <laughs> south of Sydney, when there is plenty of things you could write about that, in my limited opinion, I would place higher than a toasting fork. Yeah, well, <sighs> I mean, it's good food, and look, we I love mean, good uh, food again, we love I mean, Miffy, but uh, it, yeah. it, it reads like a paid ad, but I'm pretty sure they have to. Say if there's a paid ad, I think. Who knows? So, yeah, toast and fork. Maybe maybe Miffy. Miffy, come on the podcast. Let us grill you about this sort of stuff. Tell us about toasting fork. Put you on the toasting fork. Um, So, I mean, mean, the the fork was the one that really got me. Um, There's, you know, about the reopening of Nomad, um, which is a pretty big deal with everyone. Um, 
I had a great meal there. Go the back and listen to day. our podcast. With yeah, Jackie. also listen to Jackie. Um, you know, just a couple of, about a month before she opened it. Shout out to Jackie. Um, you know, there's, new, there's, there's quite a few new openings and things that have opened. Um, there's the Bastardo site from the um, Bodega guys. Um, there's a Ben Long doing doing their dinner and a show thing. So like all sorts of cool. A little thing about uh, Kate Byron Distillery who make Brookies. Gin and Mac um, use a lot of their booze. Really great stuff. They have um, use a lot of native ingredients. Yeah. Um, so lots like, of good I mean, stuff. It's a cool list. Like I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of cool, interesting stuff on that list. And like, I don't know. I guess that like, good food is something that, you know, like it's got a broad audience, and not everyone's mm. as sort of food centric as we are. So things like homewares and aprons and toasting forks and things like that, I guess, have a place. You can't just have all, mm. you know chefs and people and oysters and whatever across your hundred mm. um these lists sort of work like they're very readable um i think one of the, the the good things for the you know media outlet that's putting together these sorts of lists is you've got a hundred different when it comes to the world of social media you've got a hundred different you know people and organizations who are gonna as soon as they see that they're on the list they're gonna blast it on their social media mm. so it sort of like has this spider web effect of social media outreach yeah for sure um so it helps you sort of sell papers and mm. sell articles and I mean, that sort a, of thing. A slight uh, interesting one was 77 was closed loop bars. So bars using uh, all their waste up and mm. trying to be environmentally friendly. Um, so uh, Washington Co. in Orange is a great little bar. Um, f- uh, Scott Maletto, who uh, is one of the owners of Howlin' Wolf mm. and... Um, Dagwood and little, little Prince and little small bar owners and also Births and Deaths, whose real focus is a closed loop bar. So great to see Washington Co on there, but it seems strange that from the same owner, they also have a bar in their group whose kind of ethos is, is that is that exactly closed loop that. environmentalism in Wollongong, but didn't want to mention that one. Mm. But great to see um, um, Washington Co. Yeah, on the list. All right. Um, Mate, let's move on. All right. Um, Fine. This is a cool list. It had some really cool things on on there. Uh, Also, shout out, obviously, like things like the way that Josh Nyland has, you know, reimagined St. Peter and stuff is like really interesting to see how restaurants have adapted to COVID. Um, I haven't yet got a copy of it, but I really, really, really need um, a copy of Daniel Alvarez's cookbook, Always Add Lemon. Um, mm. because I just fucking love her food. I love the food at Fred's. Um, Georgia, you're a legend. She works there. Uh, and we're hoping to get Danielle on the podcast to talk a bit about the book early next year. Um, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting a hold of that cookbook and checking it out and talking to Danielle and stuff as well. Um, a bunch of great stuff on that list. A bunch of stuff we think ba- could have been better represented on the list, but um, that's that's how good food saw 2020 in New South Wales. Mm. All right, let's get get onto our own list, Simon. We've got, uh, whatever, 20 minutes to go or something like that. We've got a few things that we can talk about. Um, our favourite things of 2020. What's it, what, like? And I, I don't know, we, we kind of didn't specify exactly how we wanted to talk about it, <laughs> but like, uh, so I've got a bunch of different, weird different stuff on this list. What's your, what, um, what do you got on yours? I've kind of got a couple of, I got a couple of things that um, I felt could have a mention in that um, Good Food Guide list of, of 
things happening, places, yep. experiences down this way. Um, yep. And then I had some. Um, actually, I had um, I wrote this one down and then kind of forgot they already had it on the list. Was was people having access to all these suppliers, which we've already hit on. Um, I think that's that's a, that's a good thing that's happened this year. Um, for even from like like Southern Fresh, our fish supplier we use, they sell to the public now, um, and they get some phenomenal seafood. Um, mm. So even from there. Um, and then the other, you know, butchers as well. If you're um, a home cook, it's never been a better time to be cooking some good food at home. Mm. But yeah, definitely, definitely on the south coast. Um, I mean, my, I get sort of, I, I'm limited to sort of cupids about the far as I tend to go. You might have a few more things down there, but I, I think like somewhere like cupids, where there, I mean, there's nowhere else like that in Australia that make you know wine. Uh, cheese, beer, have a restaurant, have this mm. beautiful view on the south coast. Like they've also made a massive investment in their kitchen garden. Yeah, to, to a point yeah. where um, they're they're actually like using a shitload of yeah, stuff yeah. that they, they when, grow. They have now. a they have a gardener, which, under, is, is, yeah, well, Adrian, which is the only way to do it. Like Adrian Bayeta, who runs My Square Meter. Mm. Um, was on this podcast when I, I had him on the radio. You weren't on that episode, but I had him on the radio last year talking about My Square Meter and what he does as a consultant for kitchen gardens and things like that. I wasn't that. that one. Were you? Yeah. Did you come in the radio then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. You were on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've got him sort of taking mm. the reins and like they're, they're like opening up those paddocks and shit like that to grow stuff. So mm. it's uh, it's awesome, awesome, awesome to see what they've got going on down there. Um, I was speaking to Libby relatively recently and they've adapted well to COVID and uh, changed their menu a little, like changed the, yeah. changed the format, made uh, it a bit more they, approachable and casual. So and, I mean, I mean so recently, but I know they, they, they get bands and stuff down there on Sunday. Oh, like, the Sundays how, are yeah, off tap. How good would a Sunday session yeah. be down there? Like just, like, good awesome. food, you really need to go to Cupid's. Please yeah, go to Cupid's and talk to them. Such an amazing place. Go spend a Sunday down there, have lunch, also have wood-fired pizza. They also have a farmer's market there. Yeah. Like, I like there's nothing that they don't do mm. other than have like one individual with some huge Instagram. Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, when I started reading through the list, I, I thought that would, I thought they would be. I thought if anyone was going to be there, I thought that would be it. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, like, I want to shout out. Are you going to move on from South Coast? But other, uh, other no, I'm, I'm basically I'll stick to the South Coast. Okay, go. Um, just uh, I mean, for one, the, the quality of oysters on the South Coast is just unrivaled. They're yeah. they're awesome. They're looking so good. There's so many different waterways and different nurseries where there's always something that is looking real good. Um, and there's so many little we were talking about the other day. It's kind of drawing memories. There's just so many little little shacks and little oyster places down there that they you know they just sell oysters like ludicrously cheap and about as fresh as you're ever going to get them. Mm. Um, and then you know you could you could do a whole oyster tour. Mm. Down the south coast, and and you know, and, and get these products right where they are, and and that that would just be a real nice little day. Oh yeah, amazing! If you want to do it, get in touch with me. I'm going to do a little oyster tour of the south coast. Yeah, we'll just go visit some of the lesser yeah. known awesome. oyster producers. But um, yeah, I was telling you the other day, it's like mm. my favorite place. If I ever go through Bermagui, you literally go to the servo that's like <laughs> next to the bridge in Bermagui, and you're like, yes. you got any oysters today? And they're like, they just point at an esky, and in the esky are bags of Shane Buckley's organic Wapengo Lake oysters for, uh, I think it's 36 bucks for 30. So like just yeah. over a dollar each, which is Crazy. out of control for literally the best oysters in Australia, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So um, go get some, love it. And shout out to all those producers. I know that a lot of them have done um, done it very tough down there mm. um, all over the South Coast. Well, yeah, even like something like Kyama Farmer's Market where everyone is local there. Oh, yeah. 
uh, and everyone is in within you know a, a, sh- a short radius. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Sydney has some great markets, the carriage road markets, stuff like that. But people, people are coming from you know Blue Mountains, Orange, quite far away. Kind of mm. farms market is an awesome produce, and it's mm. all like so close, and mm. they, they kind of make sure of that. Um, yeah, so same again, with Sage yeah. Farmers Market down in Maria down there on Tuesday afternoons. Yeah, so pl- plenty of great markets down there as well. Yep. I think um, should get a mention. Well, I think that like one of the this sort of links into one of the things that I've got on my list, which is essentially shopping local. So, I mean. I've been banging on about shopping local for a long time and I think this year I did a bit of work for Food Fairness Illawarra which is like a food aid and sustainability organisation NGO here in Wollongong and um, I think hopefully and what we've sort of seen is is when COVID was, you know, lockdown was happening and panic buying was happening and things like that and the supermarket shelves were stripped um, people were exploring other options for sourcing their food, which meant shopping at local grocers, shopping at Asian, you know, supermarkets, shopping, getting a veggie box delivered to your house, shopping at a local farmer's market um, and whatever it might be. And, 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 you know, just by force that exposed people to local shopping options. Mm. And hopefully what that did also is sort of expose them to the sustainability that's associated with shopping local and also generally you're just getting better produce like you're just getting better tasting food a lot of the time like in these veggie boxes or from local farmers markets and stuff so um that's that's what i've put for number seven on my list the rise of the veggie box rise of the veggie Um, box the rise of the farmers market the rise of shopping local and and being more conscious of where you yeah i mean literally from that locally uh two brothers produce um, so uh, two local lads who were working at um, Passion and Fruit in Wollongong and they started doing boxes. They've, they've built a company around that now, mm. um, which I'm pretty sure came from them doing it COVID. And they were like, well, this seems like a good idea to all the time. So you can get various size um, product boxes from then. You can order and they deliver it to your door. Are they growing down at Dapto? Uh, they've got, yeah, 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 they've got some stuff down there as well. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they source from a few places, but I know they get a lot from, from Dapto as well. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Two brothers, that's cool. Yeah, with a look. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go straight to number one on my list, Simon. Oh, did you rank them? Well, I mean, it's just number one, but it doesn't okay. really mean anything. Um, and this kind of links into another one that I've got on my list, but I got a month of JobKeeper. <laughs> <laughs> and that that was. Um, that that was spent uh, down on the south coast. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm one of those people that like, if I'm in an environment where there is stuff to do, I'll I'll make myself busy. Mm. And when lockdown like was in full swing here in New South Wales, like all shops were closed. Uh, I obviously wasn't selling any cookbooks, which at the time was my main income stream. I wasn't taking any photos for uh, any restaurants. Um, No one's ordering food photography in the middle of a lockdown. Um, And, you know, I had some things on the boil that that got canned and cancelled and things like that. So uh, as a sole trader, I qualified for a month of JobKeeper. I think it was Mm. like April or something like that. Um, And... Yeah, I was like that that month down the south coast of being on government supported income <laughs> and being able to actually just sort of chill the fuck out for a little while and not um 
not make myself as busy as I always do mm. because I literally just couldn't because I was there and because there was just nothing going on was massive for me, like in terms of just being able to slow down. And like one of the things that was the best thing about it, like the best thing about that month of JobKeeper was the seafood that I ate on the South Coast and mm. the cooking that I got to do. And a lot of people got to get, get home and do cooking in lockdown and all that sort of thing. But for me, it was like I was um, blessed to be just down near Batemans Bay, little town called Browley, um, with a boat, with my boat, my little fishing tinny, um, my spear fishing gear, my fishing gear, and friends who are uh, sort of gurus in the area and stuff like that uh, to go diving and fishing and to eat all that seafood. Um, shout out to my friend Simon, who uh, is an absolute boss uh, lobster diver we fucking managed to eat a lot of delicious lobster over that month and I'm very so, very so you, compl- you complained about uh, so. about caviar bumps at, uh, <laughs> hey I'm not pay- paying for it and I'm not selling it to people you're like sustainable I spent, I spent lockdown just munching on ca- munching on lobster with my mate yeah so that was one of my favourite things was going fishing going diving Cooking seafood on a month of JobKeeper on the South Coast. Fuck, that sounds so privileged. I'm so... Oh, my God. Well, um, fuck. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, there's been a, been a lot of people comparing their, their experience and their griefs. Everyone had a pretty hard time. I think we should stop uh, comparing who's, who's yeah. is worse, who's is better. Oh, well. There's almost always going to be someone worse off than you. Um, I think, yeah, like I'm, I'm still struggling just to... to feel if this is true for me, but definitely hospitality having that little bit of time off and slowing mm. down. So as, that's as, on my list too. Yeah, okay. Well, I thought I'd segue from, from yours, your experience to more overall. So I think that is um, that is a benefit. Um, yeah. Although it was a stressful time, you did just kind of have to get on with it and um, I can't say I particularly enjoyed it too much, but I can, I can hopefully see some benefit of 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 taking it a little bit easier for a couple of months mm. um compared to the last sort of three years so i think, I think that that is a benefit for for chefs and hospitality professionals and yeah and, and, and a lot of people really well we talked to uh jackie from nomad and also we talked to our friend andy here at babyface and mm. things like that and they they both and a lot of other chefs have said like we didn't know it, but we were so in the fucking cycle of being a hardcore work 80 hours a week chef that we didn't know we needed this break so bad. Mm, yeah. So like for better or worse, like it did something positive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for, for, for me, it was, uh, I was in the process of shutting a restaurant. So I don't think I really had, yeah, to, had the time to, uh, to actually in, enjoy that time. But I'm, I definitely, feel somewhat refreshed going into next year or maybe just refreshed of mind as much as anything else. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that, 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 that'd be a good thing mm. overall. Yeah, I'll, I'll do another one. Um, right. So, well, one of, the, one of the things on my list, Simon, is um, doing this podcast. Like, let's not forget that this year we, cha- like, you know, Andy, Andy moved on from this podcast and, mm. um, you know, began doing his own thing. Uh, and you know we've called this the Food Fight Podcast, and we're um, putting a bit more effort into it than we used to. We've had some great guests, so like in between doing all our small bite stuff, which is really fun. Like a few of the standout episodes for me have been talking to Jackie from Nomad, um, talking to Sam Payne, talking to 
Grant and Laura at Feather and Bone mm. in Sydney um, and talking to Christian from Yerobinjan. Um And yeah, like just going up to Sydney and, and, and diversifying the audience of this podcast a little bit and, 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 the, and the guests and stuff. Like the reason why we do this podcast like we don't make money from this podcast. We've made two hundred dollars for this from this yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, that one time. Thanks to Qantas Wine. Thanks Qantas. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we do it because we like we really enjoy it, and we think that people get something out of it. And and from the feedback that we get, people enjoy it too. Mm. So um, we really enjoy it. Like I mean, maybe down the track, something on the list is to try to figure out how the fuck we monetize this. But. Well, um, yeah. But just talking to these people and getting their perspective in our way, like, mm. and, not, and not doing it in the same format that that you always hear from these people, has been great. I love it. Yeah, it's well, awesome. see, it seems like podcasts on the whole um, have been booming. There's been a lot, a lot of uh, food podcasts released this year. Mm. Um, young ninety percent of which by Anthony Huxley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pumps yeah. It seems like he's up like, like fifty of them. <laughs> he, um, he does fifty a week. Yeah, fifty a week. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's nice to see a young, a young up and comer like like him. Yeah, you know, do a podcast, uh, and hopefully us as the OGs of the uh, food podcast in New South Wales. We want uh, you on the podcast too, by the way. Andy. Yeah, we'll um, ask you to be on our podcast. But yeah, but yeah, definitely um, having a bit more time for myself uh, to be able to get up to Sydney and do this podcast has been great. Um, down to Canberra, yeah, yeah, down to Canberra. Still Canberra got one episode. As well. Oh episode yeah, yeah. Release from Canberra yeah, too, which will Bri- be coming. At Brian the Martin would be a massive highlight. Like, yeah. like just generally loving chatting to him in general. Um, but I mean, yeah, like. I always kind of say that one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is just getting to meet these people that, um, even someone like Sam, who I've met sporadically at Tastings over the years, um, and we've sort of always kept in contact on social media and stuff, to actually sit down and have you know an hour and a half of chat um, is awesome. And then obviously meet, meeting people for the first time, um, I moved straight to Wollongong and started working, so I never never worked my way up in Sydney. Um, mm. Never, you know, don't, don't don't know too many people that um, in, from work, that way. Didn't do your time at Mark Best? No, no, I didn't didn't work for any of the greats. Didn't just came straight Petsuya. straight here, skipped all that. Yeah, skipped uh, all that and straight to straight to the top. Yeah, straight straight on it. No messing <laughs> around. So so for me to be able to actually go and meet these people and chat with these people um, and. Yeah, some of the chats we've had have been been awesome. So yeah, that's definitely. I actually, I didn't write that one down last night, but then talking just then, I made a little like extra note of that. So yeah. in in agreement of that one. Cool. Well, I'm annoyed at myself because I really should have just fucking kept that to the end of our podcast so that I would have just put it all in a nice little bow for 2020 but yeah. now I want to go back and talk about some of the other stuff I've got on my list yeah, so right. I fucked it um, alright let's just go to the next thing <laughs> <laughs> one of my other favourite things of this year is uh, I mean these are all very self-involved Oh, who cares I'm going to do another yeah. self-involved one um, but like because I haven't put together a new cookbook this year and I'm sort of like pivoting my pivoting quicksand food and pivoting my business, um, I guess a little bit away from cookbooks, you know, by force this year, like no one's going to make a brand new regional cookbook in the middle of a pandemic when you don't know what the restaurant well, industry is yeah. going to be looking like um, over the next year, like two years or mm. whatever it might be. So it's kind of forced me to find other income streams and what that's meant has been... Um, more freelance work, uh, more food photography, and some fun recipe development and stuff like that with you, mm. Simon. Uh, yeah. So one of the big ones for me was um, spending three months working for Food Fairness Illawarra, which I touched on before, um, helping them build a new website. It's a it's a food aid and food sustainability organization, and the website that we built, you can check it out. It's foodfairnessillawarra.org.au. Um, 
is all about connecting people to local food. Well, first and foremost, it's about food security and it's about connecting people who are food insecure to food aid organizations and getting people food secure um, who don't know, who might not know where their next meal is coming from here mm. in the Illawarra because um, it's under the surface. We don't see a lot of it, but um, you know, when you work at an organization like Food Fairness Illawarra, you see how, how dire the issue actually is. And uh, the Illawarra is overrepresented in food insecurity, you know, um, as compared to the average in Australia and New South Wales. So um, working for that NGO and working for that organization has been great. And putting together, and one of the be best things about it is uh, what we called the, it's like the Fair Food um, Directory, uh, which is essentially just, a massive, massive database and directory of local food around the Illawarra, everything from, um, you know, local delis, butchers, bakers, independent grocers, uh, independent fishmongers and things like that to uh, food aid organisations, farmers markets, veg box systems, um, community gardens, shared composts, um, information about how to grow your own veggies on verge gardens, uh, meet sustainability all that sort of thing so there was just so much in there and i actually learned so much um being a part of that project and it's awesome it yeah like sort of this year 2020 and the reality of of COVID and and you know less work in my normal you know line um to be able to move on and do something like that and get that opportunity from burble shout out to burble um from hidden harvest here in the illawarra was awesome and and also yeah more food photography and developing recipes with you and things like that it's been mm. interesting and fun and sort of like forced me into this position where i, I i'm not necessarily just cookbook guy um and and cookbook being guy able to sort of make a bit of dough and keep myself alive yeah, um, yeah. doing some other things. I, mean, I, I can see how we differed with our lists here because mm. you've gone your personal top 10 things where I'm still angry at the Good Food Guide list and have tried, <laughs> to, tried to show them where they've went wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, to, 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 to round out your point, um, during the lockdown, this just fucking shows how great hospital people are. There was so many um, people cooking meals, um, doing things for Hidden Harvest or Oz Harvest, um, like all, all these great things. Like we started up um, Goodwill Only again for the second year. Literally, like it feels like a month, like years ago. But um, we, we were cooking 600 meals a week um, for, yeah, for people, people in need around here. And there was so many initiatives like that um, led by people in hospitality, giving up their time in a very stressful situation where, you know, I mean, I probably should have been kicking back more, but I decided that I would, uh, I would spend you know two, one or two days a week doing that as well. Um, so to see that um, was really great, driven by hospitality people, uh, giving their time up. So that that was definitely great to see from uh, the hospitality industry was was doing um, you know think things for for the betterment of everyone. Mm. And we see that across the board. I think all over Australia, there's different people and organisations who, if they have the means. Uh, uh, the time or the resources or just a spare set of hands mm. to help support people uh, in this situation. I mean, whether whether or not it was fire recovery or uh, COVID recovery, people, people have been giving their hard-earned, um, whether it's physically or financially mm. or whatever, to, um, to try to help others out. And that, that is probably one of the just the coolest things about 2020. And hopefully that's something 
you know, people continue on into the future. But hopefully, in general, people were just a bit more conscious about mm. how they spend their time, how they spend their money, um, and you know where their money goes and how they support the people around them and the communities around the people that need it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, I think I think one of the one of the, the most promising things for me, and this is this is a little bit on the selfish side, but also it helps everyone else, is that regional, um, especially down here, I can talk less for for Orange, Hunter, etc., is fucking booming. Mm. Like, we've been so busy. And it, and since we opened up, it hasn't dipped or stopped. Um, and the same with the South Coast. Um, so, you know, Shoalhaven and, um, and all these places down there have been real busy. And that, that's been backed up kind of by, by wine reps who've come by and have been like, city's pretty dead, but fuck, I just sold a lot of, you know, a lot of cases of wine down the coast. So, um which I hope continues through the summer and into winter. Um, so hopefully people are seeing that there's awesome places to go on their doorstep, um, that they don't need to go away so much. They can do a little sort of staycation thing. Um, or it's the people from, from Sydney and, and cities are coming down to, to the to region more, which you know realistically means there's more reason for uh, national publications to to write articles and reviews of them so that's a good little uh, little seamless mm. roundabout thinking there so for me that that's really exciting and that's quite an exciting time um and seeing how how busy uh, my new little side gig at uh, bangalore dining has been um where we're doing like 60 70 covers on a monday um is, is pretty crazy and awesome to see mm. i i actually had that on my list as well i've got it down as um, South Coast businesses having record winters. Yeah. So uh, mine was kind of a bit more South Coast centric because mm. it's still reflecting on the impact of the bushfires from the beginning of the year. But um, basically every business owner that I talk to down there uh, has said that their their winter has been, you know, the best on record. Yeah. And to be able to bounce back from fires and COVID with those sorts of numbers is super promising because there was a period there where it was very, very uncertain as to what the fuck was going to happen. Mm. And it like it looked like the whole industry might have collapsed down yeah. there. Yeah. You know? So for people to get out there and support, um, for places to be as busy as they have been, has been exactly what was needed. And as you said, hopefully can continue on into the future and keep supporting these mm. awesome little regional communities that we know and love so yeah. much. Maybe we should do a South Coast Part Two. Oh yeah, definitely. Trip to yep. see, uh, We've got a lot of people to talk when to. When do down we go? The South Coast. Maybe we could do it a year to the day. So when did we go last year? Is it January or February? We're in February. Probably Feb or March even. March. Go back and listen to our. Uh, if you want to reflect on the fires, go well, back yeah, and listen you, to our podcast with Libby and Matt. You think about where from down on the south coast, um, talking about you know in the wake of the fires, how it affected their businesses. Mm, yeah. Um, Anything got, else? Simon? Uh, well, I've got two quick ones. Quick ones. It's going to plug plug myself a bit. Go but, for it. But why not? Um, one on bar scene is real fucking good. Yeah. And um, we punch our way. We constantly have multiple people in the finals of national competitions, uh, more so than most of the regional towns. Um, there's some awesome bars. We just got um, Breakout Bar. Uh, some friend, Orion, who applied for a, a grant um, from a liquor company to put in a, uh, basically a communal um, drinks lab. So he, and he, we, it was uh, voted voted for by by the public uh, and it won a 20 grand Wow. Um, uh, 20 grand to build this lab, which will be available for bartenders in Wollongong. And there'll be some you know, pretty high tech equipment that is, is 
fucking expensive, which is why one bar alone can't do it. Um, so get another example of just people in Wollongong thinking about the community as a whole. Um, and the fact that I think we like, we absolutely smashed the popular vote. Like, yeah, right. like they, they were like, did you run a campaign or something? And like, <laughs> and it was just, just everyone in Wollongong getting amongst it. So it's another awesome thing. Um, and just, just awesome bars, um, you know, from, from cocktail bars to wine bars, um, you know, place, place like Night Parrot. Been, been very busy, got a great little wine list. Um, you know, the guys are good, good times only doing awesome stuff. Um, some new owners at the Throsby and, um, yeah, Moomin and things like that. There's, there's just an awesome array of bars. I don't think we quite get yeah. the, uh, the 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 respect respect we deserve That's for it. it. Well, and also like Simon was cheekily trying to plug his own bar and the mm. Wollongong bar scene, but like I'm just gonna do this. If anyone's listening to this podcast and they're ever in Wollongong, like we're just two people, so get in touch with us on social media yeah. and be like, hey, where should we go to drink? And like the chances are we'll be like want us to come and show you <laughs> because we like a drink um, or we'll just tell you exactly where to go. So um, find us at the Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or find me at Quicksand yeah. Food or Simon at uh, Simon underscore Evans underscore TVD. A- anywhere and from Thrall down to... We're, we're all the way down the south coast but yeah yeah uh, particularly ask, Wollongong ask we'll come out for a beer with you if you if you want to know where to go we've, we've got it covered for you um, and come and visit this beautiful region because mm. there's so much going on and, and as you said Simon particularly with the bars around Wollongong it's yeah. so much fun yeah and so then my, my final plug a, pr- a promise um, Bangalore Dining Shoalhaven <laughs> um, just taken over as executive chef there um, it's just a fucking awesome little space again mm. they had real hard time because of the fires um, so it's 16 luxury villas this beautiful restaurant opens out into a pool it's right on the beach right by the golf course um, and we're big on lots of local ingredients, lots of native ingredients, but a real kind of um, casual stripped back share plate menu. Um, so it's, again, awesome space. I'm obviously going to say the food is looking great. Um, awesome. front, front of house and wine is looking great as well. We've got Ronnie, who used to be the front house manager at St. Peter's for two years, mm-hmm. um, is running the front, um, and myself and Tom holding it down in the kitchen. So it's a great little summer trip for a dinner or a lunch. Yeah, bloody and it's a beautiful part of the world. Shoalhaven heads. Yeah, and if um and if you're from Wollongong as well, and 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 you know and love uh, Simon and Tom's food from Cavo, I guess like there's a there's a bit of that in what you're doing at yeah. Bangalay uh, you, you can, you in can terms see of it. like the yeah, there's a bit of a sort of a nod to obviously indigenous ingredients, mm. but um you know it's you guys in a format. That facilitates more of, uh, you know, more of that attention to detail and 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 time and execution that you put into your menu at Cavo. So, um, yeah, fucking sick. I can't wait to get back down. I can't wait for you to give me that um, voucher that you said for Christmas um, for for is dinner that, for two. Is that come? There. No, is it, it, did, that, it not. Oh no, it hasn't come yet. No, 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 no I thought you were give it to me today. Post, but, um, uh, yeah, like yeah. whenever, whenever you're ready. No got, got your vouchers. Yeah, get me vouchers. <laughs> Um, so yeah, really looking forward to $10. using that voucher on yeah. a fantastic meal down there. Yeah, yeah. Tell them. Tell, oh no, they've already got a photographer. Ten dollars will get you a a wallaby tail donut. Well, I get one and a, one and three quarters. Sweet. There I'll you go. go there and I'll go there and have one of them. Then that'll do it. Nice. Sh- share it with someone special. Wallaby donut. Beautiful. Mm. Uh, all right. Well. I think we should leave it there. I mean, let's just tie it up in, an all, in a nice um, messy knot mm. here, Simon. Uh, uh, maybe a locked half blood knot or a common I, I, I did wonder how your knot knowledge would be. I thought it would be as a seafarer. Uh, I, I it's thought just you, fishing I thought, knots. I thought you'd have I mean, I can tie a butcher's knot and, I can't and tie, tie some sailing in. knots. I can just tie fishing knots. 
Um, are, they, are, they, are they different knots? Oh, sailing knots are like there's heaps of different sailing knots. Right. Fishing knots is like depending on if you're using a lure or a hook or a bat, like a live bait or whatever. It's all, all right. Tune into the next podcast. Tune into the next uh, podcast where we talk about fishing knots. What a great way to end a fucking <laughs> podcast. <laughs> end a year. All right, let's tie it up in a nice messy knot. Um, obviously, 2020 uh, has been the year of COVID for the food and hospitality industry. Um, and a lot of people have done it really tough. Um, and if you've done it, really really tough through this year in any way um myself and i guess i can speak for simon we just want to like just tell you that our thoughts are with you and that we hope that you've gotten through what has been a really fucking tough year um as best as possible uh gotten your businesses through it gotten your staff through it um and managed to sort of managed to come out on the other side and hopefully learn from learn from a bit and be able to build your business and all those things that we sort of have seen as silver linings of uh, this year of, of destruction and this year of COVID uh, and, and of fires. Um, because especially in the regions, like we care so much about food culture in, reg- in, in regional New South Wales. So um, whoever you are out there, if you do listen to this podcast, um, whether you're in New South Wales or particularly also in Victoria, I know we've got some Victorian listeners too. It's been an even harder year for you guys. Um, so yeah, just we, we're thinking about you. Um, we hope that you've come out of it, you know, with something, with something at the end of it, with something positive and, and basically looking to 2021 um, to be a really fucking awesome, prosperous year where we get to get the equal and opposite reaction of COVID, which is positivity, good vibes, making some money, um, and recovering from all this all this mayhem. Simon, want to wrap it up? <laughs> Any nah. anyway? No, nah, you done it. You done it. Done it. It's good. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Food Fight podcast for 2020. Uh, it's been a hell of a year. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We've hoped that um, it's given you some escape uh, occasionally for the odd hour here or there where we talk to uh, each other or talk to guests about food and hospitality in New South Wales um, and sort of further afield in Australia. We really appreciate the support and we've got a lot of things on the cook for 2021. Um, back, bigger, stronger, better than ever um, in the new year. So thank you so much for supporting us and for listening. Ta. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.